Friday Organic Matters once again. We're going to tie into a show I did uh, some time back, actually, but I went through it just looking through my files, and it's kind of a rundown of what I still feel that, that's legitimate. Hey, you be quiet. I got a bird that's trying to help me here. So I hope you enjoy it. It's a little bit more about organics. You may get tired of them, but you can't learn too much about them. This month's AARP Bulletin, which I guess I'm allowed to quote from. I'm going to. And this is the March 2020 edition. Front page is Buy Organic. Let's compare apples to apples. Just to give credit where credit's due, it's an article written by Mark Bittman and David Katz. What I'm going to attempt to do is literally quote parts of their article and then give my two cents worth. Uh, I think it's pretty well written and I think it's pretty straight uh, forward and honest. I find AARP pretty straight most of the time, although I sometimes question their commerciality. As you open to the article page, page 28, you have to have Art Magazine, there's two pictures of apples somewhat identical. One says on the left, $1.20 pound, non-organic, 80% are treated with diphenylamine, banned by the European Union as a potential carcinogen. And again, as an add-in for my little throw-in piece, it's also banned by most other, what I call, first world or civilized nations, except us. The similar apple on the other side, quote, organic, can have no more than 5% of the pesticides used in conventional produce. Big difference. Bad news is, as you quoted, and it's not quite right, but they always run about 50 to 100% more than conventional apples do to buy them. And the first answer to a question that's asked a lot, at least in the old days, does an apple a day really keep the doctor away? Or does it have to be organic? The answer for them is, honestly, that's impossible to say right now, but there's a reason for that. First of all, almost nobody eats purely organic versus purely non-organic. So it's impossible to divide people into two groups for total, honest comparison. There's an overlap, and when two groups are supposed to be different or a bit alike, that kind of outcomes look more like one than another, and it's kind of hard to make an honest decision. So there's no evidence that organic foods are better for you? No, that's the next question. And they didn't say that. There's a burgeoning array of large observational studies that keeps growing that look at people who reportedly willfully eat organic routinely versus people who don't. As of this writing, this is them quoting, I'll quote them, the most recent study is out of France, where researchers found a significant difference in cancer incidence between those who ate organic routinely versus those who didn't. Those people ate organic most often had the least cancer, which I think I would expect. That's the reason I guide you folks into this stuff. Well, doesn't it mean that organic is better after all? If it keeps you from getting cancer, their answer, the studies aren't conclusive yet, though they are looking very promising. Maybe what makes the two groups different is not just the apple, but the total level of care that they take of their own health. It could be that all of those people eating organic have access to better medical care, more cash to spend, higher quality of life, that kind of thing, or are just more conscientious about their existence. Generally, organic food does cost more, which means more, quote-unquote, and this is where it does get in trouble, well-to-do people 
Those with better health care and usually better living situations are more likely to be the ones eating better. So we still don't know for sure. But at least for the first time, we have a strong association between routine consumption of organic food and overall an important health outcome. I do want to mention here something else I try to bring up occasionally, which eh, sometimes flies in the face of what people think is correct. We in the United States right now spend less of our disposable income, and I'm talking about even families that are at the the bottom of normal income, to eat than most any other country, as fact they claim, any other country in the world. Canada at one time kind of outdid us, but no longer. We spend 8 or 9, 10% of our income, most of us, real income, to eat. Some countries, one that I know of for sure, at least back a decade ago when I was studying it more tightly, even Mexico, and especially Central America, 30-40%, uh, sometimes half of their entire income goes for one thing, just to feed the family. So when you think, well, one apple's, you know, two bucks a pound and the other one's three. So it's, you know, what is it, 33, whatever you want to call it. But you get, you're buying health. You're not just buying an apple to fill yourself up or your child up or your family. So think about that. Think of the quality you're buying, not just the quantities. For the most part, we're becoming a, a, a nation that's more and more obese, Think about buying a lesser quantity but a better value, whether it's a apple or real lettuce, organic. There's, you know, first of all, iceberg lettuce is almost like not eating anything. So spend that money on things that are really, really healthy for you. You'll learn to enjoy them. Save money in the overall, though it doesn't sound like you will, because you get more nutrition for the buck you spend. A little further into the article, another question comes up that I thought was worth uh, bantering about. What about trying to eat locally? Locavore is what we use it. It's a relatively new term, but an ancient way of eating. Locavores eat or try to eat food produced locally, although, of course, the word local is gotten vaguer as the world's gotten smaller. Before food was shipped, everyone was a locavore by, by default. Now the term has come to have a deeper meaning. That being, what you eat matters to your health, and the quality and composition of what you eat are in turn determined by how the food is raised, what it's fed, and where it came from. Then they have as a follow-up to that question, why is it worth spending extra time and usually money just to eat locally? Reducing carbon footprint, supporting local economies, eating seasonally, which means fresher, knowing where your food comes from and how it is raised. To me, all these are inarguably positive attributes and all are characteristics of local food. Unfortunately, not every one. You'd have to be a fanatic to eat local food 100% of the time. It's almost impossible even now. But if you know your produce is being grown on a local farm where chemicals are not being used, you know that you're avoiding these chemicals. If you know the soil is being nurtured appropriately, you know it's rich in nutrients. If your food has not been in storage and transited for weeks, then it will be much more nutrient-rich when you consume it. 
So does local sourcing mean the foods have better nutrient composition? Yes, in general, that's almost always true. Though, if you're sourcing, for instance, industrially produced corn locally, then probably you haven't gained a thing. It makes sense that agriculture and health are connected. You are what you eat, folks. There's no way around it. So the more you know about how and where your plants are grown, the more confident you can be about their nutrient quality. The next question I want to address that came to them, does soil composition affect animal products also? And they definitely say yes. This issue is even more important when you consider animal foods. The nutrient composition of meat is substantially connected to the diet and exercise pattern of the animal. Meat is leaner and less saturated fat when animals get more exercise. For instance, the composition of meat also varies with the animal's food, and the nutrients in the plants that they eat, which are in turn influenced by the soil it was grown in. The facts are, when animals graze on grass as opposed to grains, which they're not even supposed to eat, in a, especially in places like what they call CAFOs, confined animal feeding operations, they keep the soil healthy and produce better meat. And pasture-raised animals have lower risk of industrial foodborne scourges, especially E. coli, a strain that can cause severe infection and even kidney failure. It came from the intestines of cattle, particularly those that were fed grain rather than grass. So if animal rights and environmentalist argues don't motivate you to eat local, remember that it also matters to your personal health. Having said that, it is of course possible to produce bad or nutritionally deficient food locally also. But a main advantage of sourcing locally is that you can see or learn about the production of your food and easily make the judgment for yourself. So it's also pretty safe to say a local vor diet does not include nationally distributed food products made in a factory somewhere, which pretty much means it's excluding all the stuff that at least I call and most people call junk food. And their last question. So does that mean locavores can eat whatever they want? Grass-fed burgers and locally produced cheese all day? Not really. Not exactly. It's still important to have a plant-dominant diet along with the balance and variety. And I do agree with that for the most part. I, I practice that most of the time. I do eat my greens and vegetables every day. But I am more of a uh, carnivore than most, and I believe that I justify that, if that's the word, by almost always, almost exclusively only eating grass-fed, grass-finished, and or locally uh, obtained, in this case, a lot of deer and a lot of local chickens, uh, for myself and for my family. So anyway, Food for Thoughts tied into an article with ARP, if you want to read the ARP magazine for this month, for March 2020, and uh, see if you don't uh, agree with them and with me, and the next time you go to the store, right now it's kind of a whack because of this corona thing and COVID-19, very difficult right now to find grass-fed, grass-finished meats or chicken anywhere, but that'll come around, and and when it does, start thinking about it. You spend a two or three a few percent more for your entire grocery bill, but you get way more than a few percent in benefits to you and your family. Thank you. This article didn't bring up fish, but I'll do it real quick. Another thing that costs more is real, sustainably caught fish. Believe me. Nutrient studies against, for instance, truly wild-caught salmon versus oh, that are now raising in giant pens in the ocean on 
sometimes artificial, but certainly not the same food that eat in the wild, do show a considerable difference in the total nutrient concentrate, especially things like the good omega-3 and the fatty acids that are in the fish, way more obtainable, way better for you from sustainably caught fish than from farm-raised fish. Consider that when you go to buy, which you should have fish a few times a week for us, fish or other seafoods for your family. Thanks for staying tuned. It's an older show I did, but it's still pertinent. It has great information. Uh, you can't, uh, you know, rewrite a book that's already done pretty well. I really appreciated the folks. I think that came from AARP Magazine, if I remember right. So anyway, appreciate you tuning in to Organic Matters. You can always get us at natureapproved at yahoo.com or come to organicdatters.info and there'll be a way you can get in touch with me there. Thanks for staying tuned to Organic Matters.